0: Welcome to Episode 369 of the Microsoft Cloud IT Pro Podcast, recorded live on January 29th, 2024. This is a show about Microsoft 365 and Azure from the perspective of IT pros and end users, where we discuss a topic or recent news and how it relates to you. Microsoft 365 Backup and Microsoft 365 Archive have arrived in public preview. In this episode, we're going to explore these new backup and archive options for Microsoft Microsoft 365 and Office 365 workloads, SharePoint, OneDrive, and Exchange, and what they have to offer, how to get started with them, and the cost associated with these new preview services. Another episode on a Monday morning because of a Teams outage. (laughs) You
1: know those global Teams outages, they'll get you.
0: Yeah, it was an adventurous day in Florida because not only was there a Teams outage, apparently it did not affect me but I work with a bunch of clients down in like the Tampa area, and apparently there was a big spectrum outage down there as well. So they were all kinds of confused on is spectrum-causing issues, is teams-causing issues, or both-causing issues, is one-causing issues due to the other one having issues, and it was just a day to just stop working early. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it happens, but we're back. We're into Monday. I got my coffee. I'm ready to go and talk all about Microsoft 365 backup and archive.
0: Yeah, this was a new, well, not a new service, a service that was announced Ignite, right? This fall, like three, four months ago. And it is now in a state of public paid preview, I guess, would be the official state. It is in public preview, it is not GA, all the things about preview, and you are going to have to pay for it if you want to start using this (laughs) Microsoft 365 backup. Which, this service, I think, it makes sense that it's paid because you're backing up data to storage. You're going to have to pay for storage, it takes storage. I'm okay with this one. How's that? I'm okay with this one being a paid preview. I think
1: you know consumption's consumption. So if, if you're going to hit it, sorry, like you you, you are going to have to pay for that at some point. Hopefully, this ends up being kind of the the max rate for things. We I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of get into it and discuss pricing a little bit. But yeah, you are paying not only to be an early adopter, but certainly paying to across these various things, be it paying on the backup side, and then you've got the archive offering as well, which we'll get into.
0: Yeah, and you get lightning-fast restorability from Microsoft to ensure your business continuity with this Microsoft 365 backup. So what is Microsoft 365 backup, Scott? What is Microsoft 365 backup?
1: Microsoft 365 backup is a service which Provides you backup and recovery capabilities for SharePoint, inclusive of OneDrive for Business and Exchange. And really, that's about it. If you've been thinking about backing up those kinds of workloads, let's say in like SharePoint land, like I want to back up a a OneDrive for Business site, or I want to back up this team site just to have kind of a, a point in time recovery option for it, or a mailbox. You know, I want to back up this mailbox and be able to restore it back to a certain amount, in t- certain point in time. That's really what it's all about. interesting thing about Microsoft 365 backup maybe versus some of the other existing in-market backup offerings for SharePoint and Exchange, be they Microsoft-based, third-party, anything like that, ISV, whatever it is, is that this one is just... Paygo. Yeah. Uh, You kind of light it up and you pay for storage. You are not necessarily paying, well, not necessarily, you are not paying per user licensing for backup capabilities. So it's basically like, hey, you're going to light up this capability and just pay for storage for it. And I think that's in stark contrast to some of the other ISV and and vendor offerings that are out there today, where you pay kind of per user and then get a subset of protected items behind that.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because I think some of the ISVs are also starting to pivot sort of to this.
1: I think they have to because this is the new model, this is the new API surface. Like, So if you're working with a vendor and they go, we support Microsoft 365 Backup, really what I would believe them to be saying is we've adopted the API surface that Microsoft themselves is using for their backup offerings. So ISVs and vendors can build upon this same API surface and offer not only the same capabilities, but also a superset of capabilities depending on how they choose to approach it.
0: Yeah, and even before that, so I have a ISV that I use for my backup because up until this point in time there wasn't one. And I believe previously it was pay per user and it was essentially unlimited backup of Exchange, SharePoint, OneDrive for that user for that set price in just this past, I don't know, it was only in the last like three or four months, they actually came to me and said, you're exceeding your quota, which I didn't know I had because I don't think I actually had one when I signed up. And it was either they didn't switch it to a paygo, but it was either go put in policies to trim off your backup so you don't keep so much, more from a retention standpoint, or start buying additional licenses to cover your storage. So it was it was still <laughs> like per user, but it was you have to go buy extra licenses for non existent users if you want to back up more data because you've exceeded what we give you for the amount of users you're licensing.
1: It's one of those weird sassisms. You run into these edge cases, not even edge cases, like somebody had to have thought about them and that they were coming up. It's just like the way they've chosen to solve them is weird. goes back to the old, you know, when you needed more space for your SharePoint tenant. And how did you allocate space for your SharePoint tenant? Well, you just went and bought space. But that was ultimately a license that needed to be allocated to a user. Hey, which user do I allocate that license to? Because if it goes away, then we're in trouble. Yeah,
0: because that was back and they have since changed it. So it, this is not the case anymore. But I absolutely had that where you, it was back when you actually bought add ons under a specific user. And, you're right, if that user went away, so did all the add-ons associated with it. So you either had to have like that global admin account that wasn't user-based, that never went away, or if the user ever went away, you had to cancel that and go buy the add-on all over again for another user. It was super bizarre. Fortunately, that at least has since been fixed.
1: It's those things that you don't think about until you run into them, right? Like. And I think you see that a lot in this space is folks are kind of sort of like testing the market and poking just as they go. Yeah.
0: So going back to Microsoft 365 backup, like you said, OneDrive, SharePoint, Exchange, they do have something on the website that says Microsoft Teams is coming soon because all your Teams files are stored in SharePoint. I'm assuming this is more related to things like maybe chats, conversations. It'll be interesting to see. What is included in Teams? And I'm also curious to see as this continues, what else they add. Because last Friday I did a presentation on Backup and Restore and some of the challenges you run into with... Microsoft 365 and how to account for them. And OneDrive, SharePoint, Exchange, Teams are great. But what a lot of people also don't think about is, what am I doing for Planner Plans? And what am I doing for Power Apps and Power Automate? And all of my files and emails are great, but what if somebody goes in and deletes all my users in Azure AD and then deletes my deleted users in Azure AD and I no longer have user accounts there or I lose conditional access policies, Intune policies, configuration policies, compliance policies, Like there's a lot of stuff in Microsoft 365 that isn't backed up really by Microsoft 365 backup or for that matter, any of the ISVs. So it will be interesting to see if this expands and if this truly becomes like a all-inclusive backup or where this goes over time. Because when I hear Microsoft 365 backup, my mind goes to, I would love to see them backup a whole lot more than just these really three verticals right because onedrive is SharePoint so really we're talking SharePoint exchange and teams
1: that's part of the part of the things I look to Microsoft for as a As a vendor, right? Like they're the creator of the stack. Like they're going to be able to do things along the way that other vendors in the ecosystem can't do because they're not the service owners. So I would hope that this becomes more holistic coverage over time. I don't know how that is going to necessarily manifest within the services themselves. So if you talk about things like Planner, Planner doesn't really have a backup mechanism nor a restore mechanism today. So you need this whole other surface to kind of exist first. Like, what's important in planner plans to restore? Is it the entire plan? Is it individual items within a plan? Is it only individual items that are like tagged in a certain way? Like, I can see how it's hard to rationalize some of that and put it together and figure out, like, hey, what's the offering that Customers actually need there. Like a lot of this stuff almost comes down to you almost want like a magic snapshot button for your tenant, inclusive of all the data in it, so that you could potentially go back and roll back to a point in time there or within granularity of, of a given service, be it something like Planner or Users OneDrive or whatever it happens. Whatever it happens to be. I think the other thing you got to figure out here is does backup make sense for you and your workload, given the way your users use the service, the pricing for backup, and the functionality that it brings along the way. So you might find that backup is a little inflexible. So like let's take like M365 backup. In the just retention model alone for it. So you can do 10 minutes, it's 10 minute snapshots, basically, like 10 minute backups is your frequency for backups. And then you get a year of retention. And none of that is currently modifiable there. Like, do you actually need that? And if you don't actually need a year, like maybe you just need to get better about things like recycle bins within the service. You know, that maybe doesn't help you on the exchange side, but if SharePoint's your core concern and core workload, Maybe that's where you're looking to go. There's a whole lot of kind of mental overhead and potentially like TCO math that folks need to do to sit down and figure out if M365 backup versus another vendor's backup offering versus no backup and it's just a service that's provided to me is the way to go and kind of how they choose to live their
0: lives. I agree. And this is another one I want to see where it goes, but it is preview. Like you said, one year retention, and I had this question during my presentation too. Someone asked, asked, they were like, "Well, how much backup is enough? How often should I be backing stuff up?" I'm like, I don't really know. It's kind of like your corporate policies, right? Sometimes you have that is very situationally dependent. Yeah, you can have regulations or different compliance requirements of you need backup data for this long, or even after so much time, you don't want your backups around anymore. It gets into a little bit of that tension, I would say, between retention and retention policies and backup of, you have retention policies in place for e-discovery, but we've talked about this before with certain retention policies. The goal is also to delete content after a certain amount of time, because if you have it around, you can still be liable for producing it in court cases, that type of stuff. And how do you you balance that even with backup is Microsoft 365 backup, one year retention. Can't change it, it is what it is. What if you want stuff deleted sooner than that? You only want backups for six months or you have to keep it longer? Or even how does those retention policies and backup all play together? Because if you have retention policies to intentionally delete stuff after seven years, I'm thinking financial data in the US, what if your backup is sticking around for 10 years? That was one question somebody asked me, and I'm like, I don't really know. It's like you said, it's very situational. I mean, personally for me, unless one year seems like a good amount of time. I very rarely find myself in a situation whether it be Microsoft 365 or my data on my devices, where I don't realize I accidentally deleted something, and it's like two years later, and I'm going to go back through my backups and try to find it. I think one year is a good place to start. I think it would be nice to see them expand on that, especially given the model that we talked about, where this is very much paper storage. If I choose to keep this data for 10 years, I'm going to pay for this quantity of data because I'm keeping it around for longer. So it'll be interesting, again, see if this is one of those just preview limitations. They want to see how it goes, they're testing stuff out, and they'll start opening up some of these retentions, The frequency, and I that one I can see being a little bit tougher to change, but frankly, every 10 minutes seems pretty quick to me. And then even some of the restore points and all of that. Or your RTO, the time to recover those options too.
1: I think the RTO is interesting. So Microsoft as a vendor here and kind of the purveyor of the APIs for this offering are kind of uniquely positioned to make some of that stuff happen. So, I think when they talk about things like faster restores, you know, part of it is it's like they can do it because they are the vendor and and they have that capability to say, position storage closer to the workload those underlying APIs and and how they actually orchestrate restorations like that can all be orchestrated on the back end and pushed through to where it needs to be it's a little bit of a different offering i think uh, you know another thing that folks might want to kind of think about and rationalize along the way is where your backups actually like live within this scenario and how that comes together as well so in this case like you're backing up to some storage that you don't really have insight into like back up the way it manifests today in M365 like if you went and signed up for this preview is you're basically going to go and turn it on like you say yep I'm going to do pay go billing for this You flip a switch and you say, Yep, I'm turning on M365 backup. And then you start just creating policies kind of per service, or I guess per offering. So be it OneDrive, SharePoint Exchange, you're gonna go and configure policies for each of those, turn those on, and then you're off to the races. So, you know, so far Microsoft hasn't given the capability to be able to offload to say like your own storage, be it like say like a storage account in your subscription, in your Azure subscription, something like that. Or even to be able to like download those backups and take them off to another site or anything like that. So kind of the way it works today is you go turn it on, your data starts backing up. It does stay within geographic boundaries. So M365 has all of its trust boundaries for where data stays. Say, say you're like a European customer, you know, you're going to stay in the EU, that kind of thing data residency, will be insured, all that good stuff.
0: Like you said, it really is easy to go turn it on. You can do all this in the GUI. I know sometimes Microsoft rolls things out where you have to use PowerShell first. And the policies, going back to what we said earlier, are pretty straightforward. If you're a SharePoint admin or a global admin, you can set them up for SharePoint. Global admins, Exchange admins can set them up for Exchange. But these policies... Because you're kind of limited right now on frequency and on retention and all of that, it's you go pick OneDrive, you go pick SharePoint, you pick Exchange, whoever you want to set that policy up for, go set the scope. So are we backing up certain sites, certain mailboxes? Or you can set up that scope to where it is set based on like, I don't know how this works for SharePoint. I have not gone in. in, I I bet you don't get these options for SharePoint. For OneDrive for Exchange, you can actually do it based on distribution lists or security groups. So all the users in this particular list, this particular security group, so if you do have some differences, maybe as more options become available based on the users, Uh, you also do have an option to do like an import from a CSV, and then once you select who it is you're going to back up, it really is just going and turning it on. There's no how frequently is this going to be backed up, how long is it going to be retained for, because those are just hard-coded right now to 10 minutes for Exchange, 15 minutes for OneDrive and SharePoint for that RPO. As long as it's in the first 14 days. And this is another interesting thing, right? Is you'll be able to go back 15-minute increments up to the last two weeks. After you hit those 14 days, those two weeks, exchange actually does stay with a 10-minute RPO for the entire year versus SharePoint, where once you get past those initial two weeks, your recovery points for days 15 through 365 are going to be a week. And all of this stuff is really just set in stone right now. This is what it is. You take it when you set up your policies, and that's going to be how it's going to be set up and backed up under these policies. So again, really straightforward to configure at this point in time. Really just a next-to-next, select the users, the sites, and turn it on, and you're off to the races.
1: I guess beyond the recovery point kind of piece you made, there's also recovery time. And recovery time starts to vary a little bit too, depending on what you're restoring. So kind of the general guidance today is a 30 gig mailbox would recover in less than one hour. And you can kind of get from there. After that, it could take... Up to 12 hours, I'm going to say up to 12 hours because the documentation says less than 12. Less than 12 feels a little bit different than up
0: to 12 because it could be up to 12. Less than 12 sounds shorter. It's kind of like labeling something with 99 cents instead of the even dollar.
1: A little bit of marketing there. But yeah, so mailboxes, like the first restore is going to be less than an hour, could be a little bit more for subsequent restores just as things come down. SharePoint sites are the same way. So, general guidance they've got out now is 30 gigs, less than an hour. And then, say you're restoring like a thousand sites in that same thing. So, the first one, less than an hour, subsequent ones, could take a little bit, a uh, little bit more, but hopefully the entire operation. Like they've targeted some pretty aggressive times for those. So, like they're saying, like a thousand sites in less than twelve hours. They're also saying a thousand mailboxes, like on average thirty gigs, less than twelve hours to bring those back. So this was a little funny to me too. You mentioned like GUIs to turn it all on. It's also GUIs to manage it all today. At least as far as even doing restores and things like that. So you kind of just go into the GUI and you say, All right, here's my recovery point. You know, browse by date, time, get to the point you want to be. And then you just click the button and you say, Whether you're going back to the original location or a new destination. And you're done. Like you're just off to the races. So very much like the simple, simple, simple view of backup today. I don't know that that's a bad thing. You know, given the customer base and where things are at, like accessibility is probably way easier for this than lots of other admin tasks that you would have to do within the stack.
0: I like keeping it simple like that. I have no problems. Again, it would be nice to see at least retention maybe change down the road, but I don't know that you need a whole lot more than what they have right now. So I'm with you. I like the simple, I like the way it's set up, at least. For now, I'm sure there will be more stuff that gets added, gets updated, gets changed in the future. I feel like there was something else I was going to say, and it's completely gone now. We should probably, before we move on to archive,
1: we should probably talk pricing for this one real quick, because it is a little bit of a different pricing model. Yeah,
0: and one thing you did mention that I do like is they do give you that option too to restore to a different location. So if you do want to restore to a different SharePoint site versus the original one, it's nice to see that built into this preview as well. Do you feel overwhelmed by trying to manage your Office 365 environment? Are you facing unexpected issues that disrupt your company's productivity? IntelliJink is here to help. Much like you take your car to the mechanic that has specialized knowledge on how to best keep your car running, Intelligent helps you with your Microsoft Cloud environment because that's their expertise. Intelligent keeps up with the latest updates in the Microsoft Cloud to help keep your business running smoothly and ahead of the curve. Whether you are a small organization with just a few users up to an organization of several thousand employees, they want to partner with you to implement and administer your Microsoft Cloud technology. Visit them at Intelligent.com slash podcast. That's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-I-N-K dot com slash podcast for more information or to schedule a 30-minute call to get started with them today. Remember, Intelligent focuses on the Microsoft Cloud so you can focus on your business. Pricing. This one's interesting. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. And like you mentioned, it is pay per gigabyte in terms of backup storage. And my article is not, it is 15 cents per gigabyte backed up. And they have a pricing calculator for this. I should go over here. I do not have it, which actually just brings you to a shared Excel spreadsheet for the pricing calculator. But it is $0.15 per gigabyte backed up. And then I believe there was pricing too on the restore. And I am drawing a big blank here on terms of where I jotted that down or where I saw that. Where'd it go? I know Archive had a restore
1: price. I don't remember it for backup off the top of my head.
0: Backup, it doesn't look like it. Backup is just $0.15 per gigabyte per month. We'll go with that. I think it was Archive. So this is interesting to me, Scott. And we were talking about it because SharePoint storage, not backup, like hot storage, keep it in a SharePoint site is 20 cents per gigabyte per month. So backup, yes, it is saving you some, but it is not saving you, I would say it's not saving you as much as I maybe anticipated it would. Also, given the pricing, and this is where my head initially went when we first started talking about it, is you look at something like Azure Blob Storage, where your Azure Blob Storage pricing is less than $0.10 per month for most types of storage. Again, you get into some of the premium versus hot versus cool versus cold The what we were talking about, the different redundancy options and blob storage. And I think I looked at that and I looked at even things like a locally redundant storage, which we talked about, probably not a good idea for backup. But that colder, cool storage where I tend to like backup my files is one cent to less than a cent per gigabyte. And I'm like, man, 15 cents for SharePoint seems expensive. But then you pointed out some things, and I'm curious your thoughts on this as well, especially given some of your storage experience in thinking through why it might be that pricing model or some of the reasons. I still don't know that we came up with 15 cents, but it's it's interesting.
1: I think the first thing you have to keep in mind is, and it's easy to fall into this trap, is you're coming at it from the lens of, oh, they're charging me X cents per gigabyte for storage. You immediately go in your head to, well, what's the price that I can get for storage in other, other places? The problem with that is it's not just X cents a gigabyte for storage. It's X cents a gigabyte plus hosting the API surface, plus doing all the R and D and the dev and all the other things that go on top of it. Right. So there's some component in there that like, yeah, you're paying for it. Cause it's part of the service and it costs money to host. And like, what's that infrastructure look like? So like in this case for backup, you're not like giving it your own storage account or pointing it to a NAS or anything like that in your environment. Like it's just click a button, turn it on and it's there. Which means somebody else, Microsoft in this case, with with their offering, is in the background doing some things. Like They've probably got to go provision more storage, they've got to go light things up, they've got to make sure that it meets the... The promises of the service when it comes to things like durability and how that composes. Like, you might be looking at just like an LRS storage account, where if you look at like M365, the way I think about M365 and like the way it manifests as a service, especially within like a GEO, again, like let's take the EU or the US or something like that, is it's not really like LRS at all. It's not really ZRS. It's something like plus, (laughs) you know, where your data can kind of like live. In a geo, across a geo, so clearly there's other I think things that have been done there that just manifest in the service, and then they kind of cost money along the way, and then somebody needs to make money on it. That's the other stark reality, and I don't know like what that looks like, and and you know what people's margins are and their targets and all those kinds of things, but. At the end of the day, like the price is the price, and that's where they landed. So, you know, you as a customer really do need to go out and kind of figure out, like, hey, what's the TCO in this offering for me? Like, is it worth it in its current form as it manifests with its set of capabilities? Like, do you want to continue with like your third party backup provider, or do you want to go to this, or do you want to potentially do some mix of both, right? Is there a subset where you can create a set of policies and and make those kinds of things work? Can come together. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe that's part of it too, is maybe you end up with a mix of this and a third party. I think the advantage of maybe a third party is some of these third parties do give you the option of I want to back this up to AWS or I'm going to blob storage. And I will say with those, you're probably not going to get, or what I've seen and it'll be interesting to see as these third parties start using this new API that's a part of Microsoft 365 Backup because they could also build their solutions on it, is you're not able to get the speed, the RTO and the RPO, of in third parties that you can in Microsoft 365. So there could be that argument of there's certain sites where I don't need the frequency or the speed in my restore. So maybe I use a third party for some of my sites and I use the Microsoft 365 backup because like we said, you can select them for more of those business critical sites where you do want a faster RPO and RTO. This one will be an interesting one to watch over time see where it goes. I don't know that I'm going to switch from a third party yet. I look at the cost of backup for me And what my requirements are. And I start comparing, like, I mean, I have a fair amount of data in my tenant. I'm several hundred gigabytes. Even for me, backing up, let's say it's 500 gigabytes at 15 cents a month, that's $75 a month over the course of a year. That's $900 for my backup. I think right now I'm paying in the realm of like two to 300 a year. So this is like three times what I'm paying now. But I don't have the integration into the admin interface. I definitely don't have the backup speed. I'm lucky to get once a day backups, I think, is what I get now. And included in that, I think my... I think I have a terabyte of backup for like the four licenses I have. So this is definitely one of those that you really, like a lot of things, should evaluate your requirements, what you need, what you don't need, the cost associated with it, and is it worth it
1: for you? I know nobody likes to sit down in front of a pricing calculator, but somebody's got to sit down in front of a pricing calculator for this one.
0: Moving on, that was backup. Archive. This is, yeah, archive. So this is somewhere... Between archive, between between live storage and backup, backup, like we talked about, it's somebody deleted all my data, ransomware got in, synchronized all my content up, all my emails are gone, I need to restore from somewhere else. Archive, on the other hand, and Microsoft 365 Archive is going into more just SharePoint for this one. So this one is not going across Exchange or other services, this is geared towards SharePoint, archiving your content in place, so older data. We talked about with backups some of the retention stuff. After a year, I'm no longer using this data, or this is for an old client. If you're like me, I have Teams or SharePoint sites for all the different clients. Some of those clients I haven't worked with in three or four years. I'm not in a backup scenario. But I'm more in that in-place archive. I want to maybe not pay the full price for my SharePoint storage. And I just want to go put this somewhere where it's a little bit cheaper to store it so that I can get to it, restore it, pull that data back at some point in time in the future if I want it. And again, this is only SharePoint because Exchange has had Archive for a while now. The online archive that's included with your Exchange mailboxes that could be another topic of if that will remain or if that somehow gets rolled into this in the future. But today, this is Microsoft 365 Archive is SharePoint only for that purpose.
1: The way I like to think about these, like if you're trying to balance them in, in your head, and you're, you go, "Okay, there's backup over here, there's archive over here. Like, what the heck is the difference? I think one of the kind of things to key in on is you mentioned in place, An archive is effectively an in-place archive versus something like a backup, which, even though it's abstracted away from you, is kind of taking your data out of the surface uh, service. So those backups are stored in a, in a different place. Now, there's some operational benefits to archive versus backup here. So, one is going to be even faster. Like it is, you know, to the degree it can be even faster on things like being able to perform a restoration or a rehydration from archive. There's no difference in the security domain, which I think is big. Like you never have to worry about crossing some external boundary or anything like that. Like it is all just in-the-service native. And then the other cool thing about Archive versus something like Backup is in Archive land, Your at least the way it works with SharePoint Archive today, or M365 Archive, which is for SharePoint sites today, is your search indices remain in place. So if you go ahead and you archive content, end users will lose the ability to search, but admins retain the ability to search within those indices, which is kind of nifty and kind of powerful, I think, within this as a service offering. So if you're going out and say doing like a compliance search or something like that, that you're still gonna be covered on the archive site to get that out. So it's really kind of nifty. It's it's all a native construct within the service. Like if you go ahead and you archive a site, when you rehydrate that site, it gets rehydrated. There's no loss of metadata, no loss of security, versioning, like any of that stuff, it just comes back because it's SharePoint and SharePoint knows SharePoint. So I think they did kind of a, a really good job building out like that piece of the service and getting it to a point where it just it makes sense. Now you could run into some weirdness along the way like you know this is back archive for SharePoint sites. Not all sites are supported, like not all site templates are are out there supported today. And yeah, your your mileage might vary a little bit along the way. I imagine they improve coverage, coverage there. Another big difference between this and backup is we mentioned backup, like you just kind of just go turn it on and pay for it. With archive, before you can turn on Pago billing for Archive, you have to have an Azure subscription and an Azure resource group. And those need to be provisioned prior to turning on the M365 Archive service.
0: And that was interesting to me as well. Also given like when we talked about backup, this indicates that almost Archive is using some of that Azure storage on the backend for the Archive. Like it versus backup where you're not using an Azure subscription so it must be going someplace else would be maybe my assumption and maybe, again, some of those differences in prices. And even when you start looking through some of the documentation, it references things like Archive is going to a cooler storage, whether that's cool storage in Azure Blob or not. I don't really know. I haven't gone in and turned this on yet. I would imagine that you're not actually able to see anything in that resource group, that somehow this is tied to an Azure subscription. The fact that you need an Azure resource group means that I would assume something in here is going into that resource group. Some resource is getting created, somehow the data is going in there, and that you're then getting charged based on the data going in there. It's it's interesting to see the differences in these building models. The joys of hosted on behalf of. Yeah. You would be amazed
1: at the amount of stuff that gets lit up inside, like say your Azure subscriptions that you can't see that potentially come from like another service or something like that.
0: (laughs) I am sure. So this one as well, once you get that Azure subscription set up, similar, you need global admin or SharePoint admin for this one. And... You go turn this all on in the admin center, turn it off in the admin center. That's really all there is to it from a setup perspective. That's it.
1: Yeah, it's like a basic. You kind of turn it on, you start getting builds, and then if you want to turn it off, just make sure you rehydrate everything first. So we should also mention that... There's effectively a rehydration fee associated with this as well, like when you're bringing items back from archives. So, you know, you talked about like SharePoint storage being just 20 cents a gig, and we talked about backup being 15 cents a gig a month. Now, archive is $0.05 cents a gig a month and that's in stark contrast to like that $0.20 cents a gig. So you are getting some material savings there. Yep. But the reactivation of archive data, if it passes the seven-day mark, you'll pay $0.60 cents a gigabyte effectively to rehydrate that archived item and get it up to where it needs to be. So another Another thing that you'll need to account for in like your TCO calculations for something like Archive is how often you actually rehydrate or intend to rehydrate.
0: I like this one more. So this one actually excites me more about than backup because I did have other options for backup. And this might also be some of the pricing differences that we see here is, to your point, you do need to rehydrate, you pay to rehydrate, but your rehydration here is not as fast is those backups are. So really, your backups probably also have to be sitting on a higher tier storage with faster IO, faster bandwidth, all of that when you're doing backup. Versus these archives, you can go into cheaper storage because it's not going to come back as fast. When you go choose to rehydrate this data, I can't remember what it was, but I want to say it was... I was just looking through the documentation here on if it actually says how long it will take to come back. But I want to say it was like hours. Seen, I, think, I don't either.
1: All I remember seeing is very fast because you're effectively like in place. It's 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 more like a snapshot versus an offloaded backup is kind of the way I was thinking about it in my head as I was going through and looking at the way you light it up, the way restores or orchestrated. I guess rehydrations are orchestrated across.
0: I don't see that in the documentation yet on when you do rehydrate, how long it will take. I was just looking through it all here. Yep, legal hold can be archived, content admin searchable. Yeah, there's nothing on how long it'll take to come back. But I think this is, again, two different use cases, so you can't really compare and contrast these two. But I feel like there's a lot of clients that I've worked with that they actually care more about this. They have data. It's like a file server, right? You tend to, as you're using SharePoint more, and as it's been around now for, well, SharePoint Online, as it's been around now for I don't know, 12, 13 years, maybe even a few more, maybe even 14 or 15, uh, clients are starting to get some of that, or clients I work with are starting to get some of that older data out there. It's 10 years old, it's 12 years old, even five or six years old, that they don't, need it anymore, uh, but they still want to keep it. And some of those people have started to pay for the 20 cents per gigabyte just to have some place to keep this data long term where they can still get it if they need it. Moving it out to the five cents, having to pay 60 cents per gigabyte to restore it. This to me is also a good argument for making sure you do your taxonomy and SharePoint right. (laughs) You don't want to archive a one terabyte or 250 gigabyte SharePoint site because you decided to put everything in a single site or in a single location. If you bucket out your content properly, hopefully these restores or not the restores, but the rehydration of data aren't going to cost you as much because you're able to rehydrate them in smaller batches. I didn't see... It looks like this is site-based. I was just thinking, as I was saying that, I'm like, did we ever look at if this was folder, file-based, site-based? It's site-based. It is site-based. So I have clients, we've talked about this, Scott. We've done some of our storage episodes where it's like, do not migrate a file share to a single SharePoint site. There's a multitude of reasons not to do that. Or don't put all your files in one SharePoint site. Like, Really think through, break these out into different SharePoint sites think through that taxonomy, this would be another reason to really think through that. So if you do want to archive and rehydrate, you're rehydrating megabytes, or maybe it's 10, 20 gigabytes instead of, well, now I can't archive, because everything is in one site, or when I do have to rehydrate, it's just a massive site I'm rehydrating, and that 60 cents per gigabyte can add up in a hurry.
1: More to plan about in the future, right? Like I think folks are going to kind of figure out as they go, and over the next six months, a year, you'll start to see far more like tactical guidance come out around these things. Like, hey, here's how to approach it, here's how to maybe... Save money with this, here's how to figure out like what is important to backup, what is important to archive, what's not important to backup, what's not important to archive. All those conversations are going to kind of keep on coming over the course of the next you know, six months to a year as folks get more and more hands-on with it. And as we start to see what type of vendor offerings are built out on top of this. Right? We've still got SharePoint Premium and all the things that come along with that and kind of the Syntex rebrand. There's Backup and Archive kicking around out here right now. Like, There's all these new API surfaces. I think it's going to take folks a little bit of time just to wrap their heads around and figure out what the next steps are.
0: Yep. And if you do want to track these, we'll put these links in the show notes as well. There is a roadmap, Microsoft 365 roadmap item for each of these. Archive is feature ID 171100. And again, public preview now, they do have a rollout date starting of March 2024 for Archive. And then backup is 188799. Public Preview Now, and they have that rollout date starting in April of 2024. So Archive should hit GA first in March, back up a month later in April of 2024. They'll be here
1: before you know it.
0: Yes, and I have not hit my provided storage yet, so I actually don't need to worry about Archive. But for any of you that are paying for extra storage, I would keep an eye on Archive especially and think through that data that you have out there and how it's architected because you may be able to stop paying the $0.20 per gig and start paying $0.05 per gig and archive off a bunch of that older data. It would, yeah, there is PowerShell too, so you can set the archive status. There's a lot of things you could start doing with this, Scott, with PowerShell, with Power Automate to run scripts to archive it, it would be nice to see some connectors built in. I am definitely more excited to play with archive than I am to backup. If I had to pick one of these two,
1: yeah, backup seems to be one of those fairly mature places already. Like you already had options as a customer, so good, good that now you have more options. Potentially easier to sit it out and wait and see how it forms out over time. But the archive thing, like you said, like there, there's meaningful savings to be had there, depending on how you approach governance of your SharePoint sites today.
0: Oh well, that Scott, we should probably wrap up. This one got a little longer with all the probably it happens details around backup and archive. It does, but always fun. Always fun looking at these new features, trying to figure them out, use cases, all of those. Sounds good. Thanks, Ben. All right, thank you. Enjoy your Monday, and we will talk to you later. If you enjoyed the podcast, go leave us a five star rating in iTunes. It helps to get the word out, so more IT pros can learn about Office three sixty five and Azure. If you have any questions you want us to address on the show or feedback about the show, feel free to reach out via our website, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.